Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you excited to be here this wonderful? What do we do? Do we take our seats now? I'm loving the energy today. I wonder how you can be seated at a time like this. Lift your hands and close those eyes. Sweet Jesus, you're the wind beneath my wings. Sweet Jesus, you're my melody and harmony. Sweet Jesus, you're the eyes that I see through. Sweet Jesus, yes, I'm dancing to your tune. We'll sing that again. Sweet Jesus, you're the eyes that I see through. You're my melody and harmony Sweet Jesus You're the eyes that I see through Sweet Jesus Yes, I'm dancing to your tune As the deep ends for water So my soul longs for you Forever and ever, yes, this heart beats for you. As the deep adds for water, so my soul longs for you. Forever and ever, yes, this heart beats for you. Something more than gold, I've got something more than gold. If all I have is Jesus, I've got something more than gold. I'll tell it to the world. Oh, something more than gold. I've got something more than gold. Something more than gold. I've got something more than gold. If all I have is Jesus, I've got something more than gold. I'll tell it to the world. More than gold, more than gold. I've got something more than gold. I'll tell it to this world. Oh, more than gold. It's such a honor to be called by you, your own. 
Your love is unchangeable. You keep coming after me. Shepherd of my heart, I love how you love me. Treasure of my soul, I stand in all of you. As the deep ends for water, so my soul longs for you. Yes, this heart beats for you as the deep and for water. So, my soul longs for you forever and ever. Yes, this heart beats for you. Something more than gold. I've got something more than gold. Oh, something more than gold. I've got something for the good. I've got something for the good. I'll tell it to the world. Jesus, you're more than good. Something for the good. I've got something for the good. Something for the good. I've got something more than gold. If all I have, Jesus, I've got something more than gold. I'll tell it to the world, Jesus. So as the deep ends for water, so my soul longs for you. Depends for water, so my soul longs for you. This heart beats for you. As the depends for water, so my soul longs for you. Forever and ever, yes, this heart beats for you. As the deep ends for waters, so my soul longs for you. can offer better than education 
Better than all things the world can offer. You're my one, my prized possession, Lord. My eyes are fixed on you. I'll never thirst for anything else. My heart has been quenched. My soul has been satisfied. If all I have is you, I've got something more than gold. My heart has been quenched. My soul has been satisfied. All I have is Jesus. I've got something more than gold. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory. You can give a high five to five people and then you can take your seats. It's rare for me to have just one song on the playlist on repeat. Oh my God, I can't stop singing it. You know my favorite part? As the deep ends for water, so my soul longs for you forever and ever. Yes, this heart beats for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I say it, praise the Lord. Okay. Give me a minute to settle. I'm also just looking at faces. Take me to Mark chapter number 6. So today, I was about to give you the title, but I'll give you after this one. If you remember last week, the Lord gave me a message that we need to pay attention. Because there's a lot that he wants to say, but we get distracted. And the first part, I talked about paying attention to his word. And the second part, I talked about paying attention to his servants. Now, I didn't really finish. So there's a direction I'm taking today. Then we're going to go into a period where we are really going to discuss what the word of God is. 
why does the Bible talk about the word and say he came to his own? Why does the Bible say there are three that witness in heaven? The Spirit, the Word, the Father. Why does the Bible say about Jesus that there is a name written on him and that name is the Word of God? If you've read the book of Revelations, we're going to digest all those things. How many are ready for that? Like, by the time I'm done with you, by the time I am done with you. I said, by the time I'm done with you. <laughs> Glory to God. You would have grown up. You will be a spiritual giant. Because I see giants in all of you. By the time I'm done with you, you accept what the word of God has said about you. You let go of this thing called false humility. You know what false humility is? Let me show you. Give me Colossians chapter, chapter 2. Is it chapter 2? Verse. Let me see verse 16. If not, it's chapter 3. Uh-huh. The Bible says, let no one judge you in food or drink. Okay. The Bible says, let no one judge you in food or in drink. So meaning, no one has the right to judge you over foods and the like. And that's why as a church we're having a buy in a few weeks. Make sure you buy a ticket. Hallelujah. There are only two things. There are two things that can get you to eat a certain way. A braai and a chilangamulilo. Hallelujah. So, some of you may not necessarily be, um, how can I put it? I, I, I saw someone write about how they want to dance on a wedding lineup, but their friends are too busy studying. So, I want to eat at a lot of chilangamulilos, but some of the gentlemen here are wasting my time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. We are actually forming a team of Loola negotiators. The kind that cannot be beat down. When we step into the place, we'll be available for hire soon. Okay, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival. Some people will be saying, hey, why should you celebrate Christmas? Hey, should we if you don't want to celebrate it, don't. Okay? If you want to celebrate it, celebrate it. And we'll be having a special Christmas service. Or a new moon or Sabbaths. No one should judge you about Sabbath. Next verse. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Now I want you to see something. Let no one cheat you of your reward. You know, there are teachings that can cheat you of what God has rightfully given you. No. God has given you this sickness to make you humble. I'm glad you know, eh? Now, if it has come from God, why go to the hospital? Why not enjoy it? And since he gives more grace to the humble, why not pray for more sickness so that you can get more humble? Hallelujah. Some things can cheat you out of your reward. 
taking delight in false humility. Do you know what false humility is? It's where you think you're humble but you're proud. Let me tell you what I mean. Here I am, I'm born again, I'm saved. If I was to think of myself as a sinner, that's pride. Do you know why? Because I'll be thinking of myself lower than where God is thinking of me. So I'll be exhorting my opinion of myself higher than God's opinion of me. That's not humility, that's pride. I once heard somebody preaching and they're like, the Bible says we are God's, but you know such scriptures we shouldn't even go into. Let's just leave them. What do you mean let's just leave them? Even Jesus quoted the same scripture. He says, has it not been written in your law that you are God's? When the Bible says he's the Lord of Lords, who do you think he's talking about? When, when David says, I will sing his praises among the gods, who do you think he's talking about? You think he's talking about idols, who God, God doesn't consider idols? By the time I'm done with you. <laughs> okay. False humility. False humility. It would be false humility for me to think that my life won't go far because a great-grandfather I don't know made a deal with some false humility. No, it would be false humility. After what Jesus did for me, do you know what I would be doing? I would be saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. It would be false humility of me. Okay, let's not go there. We're not yet... <laughs> By the time I'm done with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know, I'm telling you, we are raising a breed that won't be going about looking for the whole world to lay hands on them and having deliverances that don't finish. I say, I'll say that again just in case you thought I was joking. Having deliverances that don't finish. I will say it one more time. Deliverances that don't finish. Six years, someone has been trying to break the altar. You know what? Just show me where it is. Give me an axe. <laughs> not, let's not go there. Let's not go there. The Bible says, I delivered to you what was delivered to me. In short... It would be hypocritical if I offered to you a lesser standard of Christianity than the one Jesus offered to the disciples and the one which God offered to me. It would be hypocritical. What I believe can't happen to me. I have to get you to a place where you believe it can't happen to you. Because I shouldn't offer you a lesser standard of Christianity. A time is coming. It won't be believers going about manifesting demons. They're supposed to be the ones casting them out. So I'm getting you to think a certain way. It won't be believers going about looking for healing. They'll be the ones removing the healing, removing the sicknesses. And the believer I'm talking about is you. 
Okay, so we've reached the end of the year. I hope you're doing some stock taking. Ask your neighbor how many demons have cast out this year. Mark 6 verse 1. Yeah, let me just hear a few responses. How many demons this year? Abandoned dear longo. Matrosama demoni angati. Chakatino. Okay. And I know a lot of us are setting resolutions for the next year. As we are setting them, have you set the resolutions? How many demons you're casting out? How many are you casting out next year, Pastor Joe? You won't be able to count. I'm a legions. <laughs> have you set how much? Wait, has anyone calculated how much offering they've given this year? You haven't. I usually do. Because I have... You know the easiest way to calculate, right? If you've got a minimum amount that you give per week, then you know that you've not gone less than that minimum. Don't you think so? How many weeks have we had so far? This 49? 49 weeks. Not bad. Hallelujah. You should be able to calculate such things. And then plan for next year. Compare it to the way you gave last year. Okay. Let's get to the sermon. Mark chapter 6 verse 1. Now this is talking about Jesus. The Bible says he went down. Be plain on the keyboard. He went down out from there and came to his own country. For now, no keys. I'll tell you when. And his disciples followed him. Uh huh. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So, so far the meeting is going well, don't you think so? Next verse. Then, the meeting takes a sour turn because they began to reduce him. They began to see him from the flesh. And they said, is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary. And brother of James, Joseph, and Judas. Not Judas Iscariot, please. There was another Judas in the Bible. And Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. What a pitiful way to get offended. I, I want you to let that sink a little. Can you imagine they were offended? And the reason they were offended is because... Is there really a proper reason for them to be offended? Do you think their offense was justified? Uh-huh. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. This was a complaint. Don't make this a standard in your life. 
no, us will not honor you because of, nah, nah, don't make this a standard. It was a complaint. Let's go on. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. We'll come back to this verse. Uh-huh. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Go back to verse 5. How many times in the Bible do you see that Jesus marveled? You notice Jesus marveled when he encountered somebody who had a lot of faith. But in this case, Jesus marveled at their realms of unbelief. Their unbelief was in dimensions. And what's interesting is that the Bible says he could do. I love this translation. I, 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 I love it from, this, from Mark because Mark portrays Jesus as a servant. And notice Mark doesn't say he didn't do. It says he could do. No mighty works. When you look at the way the terms are used there, he could do. It means he was trying. That's why there were still a few people that got healed. He wasn't seated dormant. He didn't say, okay, so because they've rejected me, let me not try. It actually shows somebody trying. Imagine he's going around. This is Jesus. Healed. And the power even hits the person. They're down on the ground. So you endure a meal. What do you think happens? It bounces back. I remember a case. There's a lady that came to see Pastor Daniel and I. We knew she would not get healed. We knew with all our hearts that she wouldn't get healed. We don't know why she came to see us. We have no idea. No, I, I'm telling you. When I tell you, <laughs> this was some years ago, and um, we just saw someone walked in with a straight face, like, <sighs> mommy. And, you know, Pastor Daniel's, she was Pastor Daniel's contact, not mine, but would do a lot of tag teams then. And so he said, you preach first. And so I got the Bible, and I cracked a joke. And if you've heard me when I'm preaching, there's a funny side to me. Now, this was a, and, and usually it's, I, I do it unconsciously, but this was a very deliberate joke to lighten the atmosphere. You know, I've been in a place and the atmosphere is just, it's heavy. People, she didn't laugh. She did not laugh. I knew there was a problem. Some of you here who deliberately don't, don't laugh at my jokes. That which is fighting you. <laughs> eh? Does it need an overnight or something? Eh? <laughs> yeah, and they will just come to church. like as, as in, you know, you really have to set your motives right. You've come to the front to be prayed for. Everything in your mind is, I want for. I want for. You lose focus on receiving. It's not even about the falling. But if you've come for, you even do like a stance. <laughs> oh, skip. Hallelujah. <laughs> your colleagues push you. Okay, so where was I? <laughs> we knew she wouldn't get healed. I started preaching. So I said, are you expecting a healing today? No. And why are you here? I just came. Then Pastor Daniel asked, how many other ministers have you been to? Then she sat down. 13. 
or I just look, we gave each other the signal that way. Today we are a statistic. And for sure, he would, it's still there. The attitude was wrong. The attitude was absolutely wrong. One of the first greatest miracles I saw was uh, when there's a lady, I've told you about it before, the one, the one who had her leg 23 centimeters shorter and she came to see me. Her attitude that day, I remember she entered and she says, man of God, I want to run. And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not a man of God yet. I'm a boy of God. I'm, 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 I'm only 18. I've come all the way here. I want to run. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Where is Kasamba? Kasamba, are you here? Is she here today? You came to see me when I was younger, right? How old was I? Was I 17, 16? 17. And you wanted a child, right? And you came all the way from... From where? From Monze. I remember. I remember that very well. And you've got three now, right? Hallelujah. I remember that. Yeah. That's why... <laughs> I'm telling you, today, of course, I'm, I'm introducing this topic. I'm actually teaching on, I, I don't know how to call it. Let's just put it like this. Today, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you what it really means to have a man of God. So, I, I, what should we title it? Give it your own title. Give it your own title. But I'll explain that to you. The one who's got the best title, you should give that title to the media. But I'll explain that to you. Now, notice their attitude towards Jesus put him in a place where he could do no mighty work there. My friend, if Jesus could do no mighty work there, what do you think Peter and Paul were going to do? He could do no mighty work there. It means their attitude was wrong. Their attitude towards him as a man of God. They removed the of God part and they focused on Jesus the man. He's a carpenter. We know his brother. We know his sisters. We know his mother. That was it. Attitude wrong. Attitude wrong. They could not receive. And he marveled. Imagine making Jesus marvel. Shocking Jesus with unbelief. And now, here is something that I see here. What's interesting is that the fact that Jesus was laying hands and was trying shows that maybe Jesus wasn't offended at the fact that they were offended at him, but the anointing was. The anointing refused to work. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Somehow the anointing refused there. So I'm telling you, the servants of God, God sends in your life may not be offended by a lack of honor. <laughs> but that day mean the anointing will work. Oh, today we are waking up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of us have been doing well in this category. We'll do even better. 
Some of us may not be doing well. We'll start doing well. But it's, 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 a, it's a topic I have to teach you. Jesus taught them many things. Let's look at the next verse. And he marveled because of their unbelief. In another place, Jesus says, you have made the word of God of no effect by your traditions. Can you imagine the word of God was made of no effect? But that's, we'll deal with that when we're dealing with the word of God. Even the word of God can be made of no effect. Because people want to be traditional. This is how we do things. But the word of God says this. This is how I've grown up. But the word of God says this. No effect. No, but I once used this statue and prayed and it worked for me. The Bible says in times of ignorance, God permitted it for a while. But afterwards requires that all men repent. I'll tell it to the world. I was, I was about to make a comment. But Selah. Now, who is a man of God? Now, please, when I talk about a man of God, um, I'll have a teaching later where I teach on, because I know that there are some arguments concerning women of God, so I'll have a teaching where I teach about it. But when I talk about a man of God, I'm not... Um, being biased one gender, because if we're to be very technical, woman is a man with a womb, right? Don't you call your woman that. <laughs> man with a womb, how are you? Ew. <laughs> the thunder. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, when I talk about man of God, I want you to have the same reverence towards whether it's a man or a woman of God. I hope we are clear on that part. Eh? So who's a man of God? I want you to get this. A man of God is somebody God has honored and separated. And usually this honor is due to a very deliberate task that God has given them. Somebody God has honored and separated. Give me Acts 13 verse 2. In Acts chapter number 9, we see that the Apostle Paul had an encounter with the Lord. How many of you remember that encounter? You know, he was walking and then, you know, then he saw Jesus and, his, and he said, So, so, why do you persecute me? And he looked and said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And then he said, It is hard to kick against the gods. One of my favorite scriptures. And from that time, Paul began to preach to as many people as he could. But he was not called an apostle until after Acts 13. Because there is something significant that happened in Acts 13. In Acts 13, Paul was honored and he was separated by God. The Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. There are some people who don't believe in ordination because they say, well, God ordained us in the womb. Now notice, God already called Paul and Barnabas, but he asked people to separate them for him. That's the way God does things. Don't go against his system. Don't give yourself, don't put yourself under the pressure of titles. 
if you notice the church services before ordination, they used to say Frederick Kaluluma. There's a reason. There's an honor we wanted to bring to that. So it says, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Next verse. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they actually fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them and sent them away. You'll notice that from that time, Paul was seen as a different person because God had chosen to honor him and God had chosen to separate him. So God honors them, he separates them, and then gives them a particular task. I remember um, there was a period when there were a few things going on and I wanted to do some things a little differently from how the Lord had instructed me. And so I decided to... There are other things I do but then I make sure they're secondary. Then I pastor you full time. But then I decided that I was going to do something else full time. But still pastor you. Somehow I was going to make it work. And so I didn't tell anyone that decision. Then I went to bed and had a dream. And in my dream, I had gone ahead with my decision. And guess how it worked? Somebody guess. How did it work? It went well, actually. <laughs> In my dream, it was working very well. And I've got a work ethic that's second to very few people. So that work ethic got me up the ranks quickly. And so in the dream, here I was... I was up the ranks now. And then God came and spoke to me in the dream. I couldn't tell it was a dream. And he said, did I not warn you? And he reminded me of when he warned me. <laughs> that for you, your path is this one. But Lord, people said, did I not warn you? I froze. And I was thinking, oh my God, what have I done? Immediately afterwards, the dream changed. And I was on my way to work again. And the moment I reached, I entered, and it looked like a ward, like a pediatric ward. Except all the babies had very huge heads. They all looked, they looked deformed, so to say. A number of them, actually. Of course, there were some people working with me. And the moment I entered, the Lord said, now this is your job. When I got up, the Lord spoke the interpretation. And the babies were representing destinies. Destinies that needed to be aligned. Souls that needed to be watched over. People who needed to be brought back in their path. That's where the passion for it comes. If I was to tell you more, I can tell you. Should I? When I was about... When I was about 16, I had an encounter with the glory of God. I remember it like it was yesterday. 
It was on December the 13th. If you know my age, you'll guess the year. Stop calculating. <laughs> it was on December the 13th. And I was seated. No, I was, not, I was asleep. Then I, I got up. It was four. And the glory of God came in the room. Didn't go to the ground, but rested. And then the Lord began to speak. It, it was as clear as somebody's there and somebody's here and you're talking. And he had a very loud, banging voice. Such that I thought if that voice was to tell the house, get up and walk. Where the feet will come from. I'm telling you, in case you... <laughs> And I'll never forget in that moment, I forgot the devil existed. And then you forget. <laughs> when I tell you I forgot he existed. If you wanted to know, usually when I'm dealing with a case, and you hear me say, in the name of Jesus. Because I know Jesus is the word. Usually I remember that voice. And I know that that's the effect on the case that we're dealing with. But some time later, I was... Jogging, I'm sure you've seen how fit I am. And it's almost unmatched. And <laughs> as I was jogging, I looked down, and it's almost as if the ground began to open. And I was looking. By this period, by the way, I was not a preacher. Nobody knew me. They've still not yet known me. Just wait. And the ground was opening. And I saw people in fire. And they began to look at me and some of them said, you did preach to us. That's why we're here. Then there's another group that said, you didn't disciple us. That's why we're here. And Mary kept all these things in her heart. I didn't know what to do with those things. Eventually, I reached a place where my preaching became shameless. Because here's my thought. I can tell you, I've had people, maybe even some of you, get very irritated because I kept preaching to you. But when I think about eternity, I think you will say thank you for doing that. I remember one time after a WEM conference, I was at, I think at Pastor Ispak Moore, I don't know what I was getting. And there was this gang, I don't know, there were a lot of them, I don't know who I was with. Um, quite a number of them. And I think they discussed, and I don't know how they knew me, but they knew I'm a preacher and the like. And I don't know, they were trying to intimidate me, they began to laugh and I don't know, they were trying to call me so they could do something. The Bible says Jesus just walked eh, in the midst of the crowd. And I was thinking, some people think this is a joke. Then one day they will stand before God. In case they think they are so clever. There have been people wealthier than them. Prettier than them. More handsome. With better opportunities. Owning big companies. And they've all had to die and face judgment. And who do they think they are? I'm telling you, one of these days when people stand before God, some of the things God, it will not be about 
some of the things that we thought were really big might not be as big as we think. Some people, I, I think some people are living thinking they'll stand before God and you'll ask, so how adorable were your children? Did you manage to produce handsome children? How good were your grades? All those things are, are important. They've got, they've got a place. But the moment you remove purpose, that's why you notice God gave Adam a purpose even before he gave him a wife. He gave him a purpose first. And the way society now has prized romance as the biggest thing, no wonder there are all these divorces. Because that's what people know how to be, romantic. No purpose. No purpose. And so, you know, what it did to me is that, by the way, like, like I'm saying, I've been called a lot of things. I've been called uptight. Uh, what haven't I been called? I've been called a satanist. I've been called a rebel. I've been called proud. I don't know what I haven't been called. Um, I've been accused of... I don't know, the reason I preach is because I want a lot of ladies. <laughs> I've been called so many things. <laughs> I've heard something. Have you ever heard a story about yourself which even you didn't know? Update me. What did I do? What did I do next? <laughs> and then afterwards, what did I say? <laughs> but I'll tell you something. It's a certain focus on eternity where you begin to prize eternity above temporal things. Where you begin to think, what does God think of me right now? If there's, there's a story Pastor Daniel shared on Facebook. I, I remember he told me personally. He had posted something on his Facebook. And there's somebody who just came and said, posting silly things. And he was about to answer the person back. And he held his peace. That night he had a dream. And in the dream, it's like heaven was watching. Now, interesting, heaven was not saying, answer, answer. They were trying to see what he would do. And the moment he held his peace and showed the fruit of the Spirit, they celebrated like, yes, yes, this is our person. Can you imagine that? Where you start living for eternal things. If you are listening to me, and you've been saved for more than one day, and you've never preached the gospel to someone, sent them a church flyer or something like that. Even just invited them to be somewhere where they can hear the gospel. If you've never done that, I've got a problem with you. No, but pastor, I don't know much. So you think the Samaritan woman knew much. The Samaritan woman had, had been married to five husbands. The man she was living with was not even a husband. After talking to Jesus, before she could even go break up with the five husbands, she had already preached to all the men. Interestingly, all the men. She had already preached to all the men in the city. I don't know why she didn't preach to the women. But nevertheless, it seems the men knew her. Hallelujah. 
and they believed. So some of you are sitting in this chair of, what if people won't believe me? You don't need to be qualified to witness Jesus. At least you can, or to invite someone for a meeting. Come on. What will I tell them? Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them how he saved you. You went to the one who were drinking with, yes. But can you imagine Jesus saved me? And that person died. And now I'm a new creation. I'm still introducing the introduction. So a man of God is somebody God has honored and separated. Um, my pastor, Pastor Cholo, told me something really interesting the other time. He said, don't dishonor somebody God has honored. Don't remove honor from somebody God has honored. Okay. There are some people who think prophets, men of God generally, ended with Jesus. And they usually quote this scripture. And believers who don't know the Bible fall for it. Give it to me, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. For those who've just come in, we're talking about who a man of God is. Because I'm still following up on the word God gave me, which was pay attention. And I'll tell you this, that if you do not honor the vessel that's speaking, you will not honor the words that come out of their mouth. So the Bible says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke to the past, spoke in the past, to the fathers by the prophets, uh -huh. has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So some people read this and they say, God used to use prophets, now he has spoken through the son. Now, that's lack of studying the scriptures. So this son who he has spoken through, what has this son said? What has this son done? Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 4. Some arguments are quite ludicrous, don't you think? Ephesians 4. Give me verse 8. I want to see something. Give me the NLT. I want the people to see something they've probably never seen. Maybe when we go deep into the word of God, we'll look at it. That way you understand whether people go to purgatory or they go to heaven. The answers are all in the scriptures. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. In case you didn't know, Jesus didn't ascend alone. How many of you have ever read what happened when Jesus died? How the Bible says the tombs were shaken. And then the Bible tells us that when he resurrected, many holy men were seen appearing around. But let's not go there for now. 
indeed interesting that he was received in a cloud. Don't you find it interesting that there is a cloud of witnesses? Okay, let's not go there for now. Next verse. Notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also ascended, descended. Uh, that, that's a bit wrong. Give me the New King James. Oh, sorry. When, when you hear somebody say that's a bit wrong, it means they've done... The first topic I did in Bible school was understanding versions. So when you hear me using different versions, I know I... It's got something to do with the Hebrew and the Greek and the way some were translated. Hallelujah. Okay. One of these days, when we grow up a little more, I'll teach you how to do that. You can't be serious as a believer. You want to be a serious student of the word. And your primary version of studying the Bible is the good news. No. No, you have a problem. Because when you go to Genesis 1 verse 1, where it's supposed to say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Reishith Elohim bara eret tashaim in the Hebrew. In the good news, it will say, in the beginning, when God created the universe. Then verse 2 will have a problem. Because in verse 2, it says, now the earth was form and void, of which in the Hebrew is now the earth became form and void. That's why when you read from the NIV, there's an A on the was, which when you go down, it says became, because the word there is became. Now from the good news... Oh my goodness, I feel like I've already confused you. From the good news, where it says in the beginning when God created the universe, you have trouble. Because first, you won't know that it says the heavens, which means there's more than one heaven. And when you read 2 Corinthians 12 verse 2, it says, I know the man who was caught up to the third heaven. You already are lost in that argument because all you think of is the universe. And the heavens are beyond the universe. So please, use that one for reference. Your, your brain must be, you must have a KJV brain. At least the cage of your brain. You can't have your primary vision being good news or message. Wow. <laughs> okay. If we are paying attention during the Word of God series, which we are entering for the next few months, I think there's a day I'll teach you how to use Bible translations effectively. What do you think? Okay. Hallelujah. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Now you know what's been described here is hell. In case some of you didn't know, Jesus went to hell. Where do you think Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 happened from? And we told in the book of Jude that he preached, no, in the book of Second Peter, that he preached in hell. You've never seen that. <laughs> One of these days we'll look at heaven and hell. And then we'll see why in Revelations it says hell was cast into the lake of fire. Meaning hell is not the lake of fire. Okay, let's go on. Hell will also be thrown into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens. All the what? Heavens. Uh -huh. That he might feel all things. Next verse. 
and he himself, the same son. I love it from the NLT. Give it to me. The same son of God who God has spoken to in the, through in the last days. Look at what he did. He himself, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. For the perfecting, for the equipping, for the teaching of the saints, for the work of ministry. Now, what I find interesting about this scripture is that the same Jesus who God has spoken through now is the same one who has given those people for the sake of the church. And you find these people that he has given, <laughs> how can I put it? If you read it from this rendering, it's not that they are gifted. They themselves are a gift for the sake of the church. He gave some apostles, some he gave prophets. Which one has he given you? Ask your neighbor, what has he given you? Because he gave you. No, I'm just, I'm just asking which one he's given you. So let's now look at a few things. Why does God give men of God? And like I said earlier, some of the men of God may have a womb. So we're talking about men of God, women of God. I'll give you 30 seconds to discuss with your neighbor. Just ask, why did God give you a man of God? And then let them answer you. Then you exchange notes. Exchange. Those who are not talking to their neighbors. Exchange notes. Why? Giving me very religious answers. <laughs> Hallelujah. What about you? Why did he give you a man of God? Glory to God. Can we continue? Reason number one. I'll combine two reasons in one. For deliverance and preservation. For deliverance and preservation. For deliverance and preservation. Deliverance from the dominion of darkness and all those things. God who sent servants for your deliverance. 
There's some people here who wonder, why did I used to think like that? Why did I used to do those things? Some of those things were just demons. You just didn't know. No, pastor, but I've never manifested. It's not about them manifesting. It's about them being cast out. And some things my demon job. Do you know that? Some things are just demons. I can show you from the scriptures. Like some things you just say, demons. <laughs> Luke 8. Look at this. From verse 1. It came to pass afterwards that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Uh -huh. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. So everyone used to say, hey, why does Mary act like this? Why? It was just demons. They needed to be cast out. There are some people who've experienced deliverance just by sitting down and listening to us speak. Those devils just can't stand that. Hallelujah. Now, when I say deliverance and preservation, I've got a scripture for it. So let's look at it. Hosea chapter 12 verse 13. Hosea chapter 12 verse 13. The Bible says, By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet he was preserved. Interesting, it doesn't say by an angel. It says by a prophet. Because God's way of doing things is that he's always wanted to use his servants. Give me Exodus 3. Uh, Moses is standing the flock. Give me verse 3. Five. I'm trying to be a bit quicker. This is God speaking to Moses. Exodus 3 verse 5. The Bible says, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Uh -huh. I, am the God of, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Uh-huh. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Who cried out? The people. Next verse. So I have come down to deliver them. So God has come down to deliver them. What does he do? He finds a man to do it. But he heard their cry. So he found a man. Hallelujah. I'll never forget one time. Uh, oh, I should say the story, so it's okay. Uh, there's a certain lady, friends with Bethel, and she was asking to see me because she was having problems with her stomach. And I was busy, but she wasn't understanding you know that people get offended when you tell them make an appointment. And so she wasn't understanding. And I actually, I think I forgot. I don't think I had PAs by then. So I forgot that I was supposed to give them a date. So time passed. I remember asking. One day I remembered, I'm like, how's your friend? And she told me, ah, she's complained. 
she complained. Said, you know what? It's okay. God will heal me. Shan, shan, he can remain. She talked. I found it hilarious. I found it so funny. I wanted to meet her. So I asked for her number and called. I said, hi, I'm the one you are saying. Hey, Shan Shanoko. <laughs> so I said, can you come see me tomorrow? I want us to talk in person. I wasn't offended. I think it was just frustration. And she came in person and I prayed for her and she got healed. Now, God had heard her cry and he had anointed somebody to help her. So, that, by the way, that actually shows you that when Satan wants to fight you, the Bible says, strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. What did Jesus once say? He said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That shows that when, when Satan wants to fight you, sometimes he will separate you from the people God has anointed to help you. Because that's his way of doing things. It's his way of doing it. So it says, by a prophet, they were delivered. By a prophet, they were preserved. Now, this agrees with the New Testament, Hebrews 13, verse 17, which says they watch over your soul. So, meaning they are not just there to deliver you, they are there to preserve you. God puts a man of God to preserve you. There are some people who the reason they were not in that accident is because God has put a man of God in their life to pray for them. I'm telling you. By a prophet, were delivered by a prophet, they were preserved. When we teach on preservation, I'll show you various ways in which people get preserved. There's one person here, I'll never forget, it was one of the most striking moments for me. We met when we were quite young, 15 or something like that. And I took charge over them spiritually. So I remember one day, I was about to have a very unhealthy breakfast. T-bone pork and something else. It was one of those days. And I sat down and I was about to eat. And I received the call from the person's mother. And the mother said, this girl is not okay. I thought it's one of those things. You know one of those kind of things. You know, she's here in hospital. I thought, ah, you know, one of those things. And says, when I see you right now, I'm not even allowed to have a phone. And I could hear in the background, the little girl gasping for her life. Gasping for her life. Literally, her last, she was, I could hear it. And so I decided to do, you know, man of God thing. I said, I decree and declare. Get up now. I asked the mother, how is she? She's not okay. <laughs> Yeah. This one doesn't need a decree and declare. <laughs> this one needs me to drop the table and the pork, which, by the way, was prepared excellently. And I went into prayer the whole day. I reached the point where I didn't realize I was praying. Let me tell you what happened. I was seated. Uh, some of my colleagues had come on because we were having prayers for we were having prayers for women. We we're going to pray during the night, and. Yeah, by then some were still bachelors, so they could come for prayers. We uh, <laughs> should go through the night. So now, we sat down, and were seated in conversation, 
And I just zoned out because my heart was just, no. Those you've given me, I have kept. The Bible says, those you've given me, I have kept. Those you've given me, I have kept. That's what Jesus said. Those you've given me, I have kept. Before I knew it, I didn't realize I was, at a vi- I was in a vision. Before I knew it, I was at the hostel. So for me, it's happening in real time. I'm thinking it's real time. And I walked over to her bed. I could describe everything. My friends think we're together. Chat me have zone. I don't know what happened. I'm there. It's like I literally became part of the prayer. I remember I'm there and I'm looking. And she gets up, turns to the mother, and the first person she asks to call is me. And so I'm trying to, like, I'm here. Like, hello, talk to me. And then I just realized, wait, no one can see me. Before I knew it, I'm in my body. Like, oh my God, what just happened? Next thing, I checked my phone and there was a missed call five minutes before. Was in the vision. And I call back and the mother says, this girl is woken up and you're the first person she's asking to speak to. It's not... It's not a coincidence. I can tell you story after story. Some stories, if I told you, they would freak you out. So can I keep them to myself? There was one person here who <laughs> you asked for it. There was one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah, let me keep some of them. Hallelujah. Rhoda, do you remember our first meeting? Remember how you met me before we met? <laughs> I, you know what happened with her? She was in hospital after the accident, and she's got a very good friend. You know what the friend did? The friend sent me a message. This is how I knew her. The friend sent me a message. Oh, praise God, it's raining. No one is in a hurry. No one is in a hurry for anything. Please don't close in full. The rain brings humidity. Don't worry, the water is not entering. If it enters just a bit, it's okay. No one is at the sides. So don't close in full. We need some air. Hallelujah. We need some air. Uh, Ushering, make sure you work on a drill. The air levels are a bit too low. Increase them just a little bit. Just a little bit. Spin around the center there. Don't worry. When we have our own building, there'll be air cons, eh? <laughs> now, let me tell you what happened with Rhoda. Rhoda has a friend who really likes her. And so when she was in that accident, I just heard about it. Then she, she sent me a message Saying, Apostle, there's a friend of mine who's in an accident. I want you to pray for her. I said, okay, thank you. I don't think I was called Apostle then. It's our friend. <laughs> and I went into, <laughs> I, I prayed, and you know, it was just a, 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 just a prayer, you know, like, Father Healer. The next day she texted me, hi. Uh, she says she's still in pain today. I'm like, okay. The next day, hi. Uh, 
She's in more pain to, like this person. And I think I gave her a quote. I forgot what I did, but I think I sent, I managed to send her a soft copy of Jesus the Healer. And then there was something that was wrong with her pelvis, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that, eh? And she saw me walk into the hospital room. I wasn't there. And I think, and touched it. And that's how an entire operation, I, I think it could have led to an amputation, was cancelled. Okay? Now, I can tell you story after story. After story. There's another person. Uh, for me to teach you this one, I would have to tell you about the ministry of angels. Because already with that one, someone is spooked. That one is the ministry of angels. I can tell you story after story. But the reason God gives you a man of God is for your preservation. That blessing of the week, don't take it lightly. That one, don't take it lightly. It's for your preservation. It's for your preservation. Don't take it lightly. I was in a meeting with pastor and he told me something. He said, if you don't teach your own people how to honor their pastor, it's cowardice. Don't wait for someone else to do it. You do it. It's your responsibility. I said, pastor, I've been corrected. Okay. So for your preservation. Number two. The other reason why God raises men of God is to awaken the body of Christ to a certain revelation. To awaken the body of Christ to something. If God raises a man of God who's highly used in deliverance, then he's awakening the body of Christ to live in a life where they're delivered and delivering others. That's why he sends them. And usually you find many of them sometimes are ahead of their time. That's why they end up being like an only one. But you find that their purpose is to ensure that there are other ones. Hallelujah. And that's why for those who are raised like that, who are pioneers, sometimes their style of doing it may be rather, it may be unique. It may be different. It may be new. Many people would not have known their authority over demons if God had not raised TB Josh. If anyone wants to speak against him, I would want you first to win more souls than his one. Then we can talk. Then we can talk, yeah? John awakened the people in his time to baptism of repentance. Then Paul had deeper insight into the salvation of the Gentiles. Just look at, even just in our now time. Look at how an entire world was set alight for evangelism because of evangelist Reynard Bonke. Look at how an entire world began to talk about fellowship with the Holy Spirit because of Pastor Benny Hinn. I'm not saying they're the only ones who've taught these topics. I'm talking about the ones who've impacted me. 
Look at how the body of Christ began to understand prosperity because of Brother Kenneth Copeland. Look at how people began to understand new creation realities because of Pastor Chris Oyakilome. Look at how people have begun to understand a divine life because of Pastor Cholwe. They are raised to awaken the body of Christ to something. But a question for you. Actually, I was even thinking of doing a questionnaire. I've just been busy. I want you to give out a questionnaire in church, and then I'll get it later. I wanted to know, having sat under me, what have I awakened you to? If someone was coming to ask you, saying, if I'm going to sit under a poster for the next six months, what do you think they'll learn? How do you think they'll think? Discuss. You've got a minute. Like, what have I awakened in you? I know I teach many things, but what have I awakened in you? Yes. A lifestyle of miracles. Uh huh. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Faith. Faith. Confessions as a believer. Confessions as a believer. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking someone will say you'll be introduced to a lifestyle of nice suits. Can I finish on this part? Then the next part, we can get to it next week. So they awaken the body of Christ to a certain revelation. Now, here's the thing. I'll tell you this. There are people I've met, the honor I have for them. Um, my God. I remember I'd heard a lot about, uh, I'd heard a lot about Pastor Gladys Paswani. And one time, we met for the first time. We had breakfast. My God. God, they're anointed. You know, people will say, no, okay, she encourages. The anointing I sensed. I I almost fell off my seat. What do you think pulls all those crowds? What do you think it is? The anointing was, ah! I was amazed. Till now when I, this morning, I checked my, my, my phone, I found... She had sent me a text. Before I even opened it, everything in me is like, <laughs> the anointing. Ooh. My God. My God. <laughs> I remember some weeks ago, I was invited by pastor to his office. I was afraid. He gave, me a, he gave me a bottle of water. I left it. <laughs> I remember I was on my way out, and then he, he opened the door. Apostle Fred, you've left your bottle of water. I'm like, I'm like oh my God. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the anointing, the, the grace, God has separated someone as a gift to me. That's why whenever I'm in his meetings and he walks in, everything in me does a somersault. I know that the things I've been praying for, the questions I've been asking, there'll be, there'll be something he'll say. Whether it's in a joke, whether it's in a message, I'm telling you. That's why I'm a pastor, a very busy pastor, but I find a way to attend as many as I can. 
and I bought all the sermons which are on the online store. I'm just waiting for them to restock. And I listened to a number per week. I even did what I was listening to this week. Oh my God. Hey. Let me show you. Somebody is asking, Apostle, you're talking about being afraid. Let me show you something. Numbers chapter 12. Is it chapter 12? Let me, let me show you this. Uh-huh. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Miriam, who took care of Moses, Miriam practically saved Moses' life. And the Bible says Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Moses married a Gentile. What they didn't know is that this was a shadow of things to come. It was a picture of Christ who would have a Gentile wife. Uh And then look at what they begin to do. They begin to compare levels. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Bible says the Lord heard it. Moses didn't hear it. It's the Lord who heard it. Next verse. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. And you know, it's interesting that Moses is the one who wrote that. (laughs) I've heard people say that if you call yourself humble, you're not humble. (laughs) And he put it in brackets. (laughs) We don't know whether he waited first for God to look the other side. (laughs) Next verse. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. And then look at what he says. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. And he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Uh Not so with my servant Moses. In short, Moses was more than a prophet. He is faithful in all my house. Next verse. I speak with him face to face. Church, if I want to correct him, I will. Even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God was shocked. Like, why weren't you afraid? Let's look at the next verse. The anger of the Lord was aroused against them. This is the God who was slow to anger. And he departed. Uh And when the cloud departed from above them, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. You're wondering why it didn't happen to Aaron, right? He was a high priest. The oil shielded him. Have you noticed for Aaron to die, he had to take off the garments. The moment he did, what happened? Then Moses had to intercede. He says, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? 
I, I, by the way, I'm, I'm just telling you, please, Reverend Church, when some of these things are going around and people are talking and saying all sorts of things, when it comes to spiritual matters, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Don't empower unbelievers with weapons to fight against the church. The church has got its systems of correction. There are some things that can happen privately. Don't, I'm not talking about jokers. Watch your mouth. Okay? Okay, guys, no, we, some things are jokes. Come on, we all know that. Okay, some things are, no. Oh my goodness, am I being that free? I'm too free today. Yeah, some things are jokes. Like, come on. Some things are jokes. It's comedy. Okay, but watch your mouth. Okay? Just avoid being a commentator about these things. Just post about football if you want. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. My pastor told me it's better to post about football than being a commentator on all these things. So post about football if you want. Why are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Someone would say, does that mean um, servants of God do not do anything wrong? The Bible says, do not receive a testimony against an elder except by two or three witnesses. Okay. If we had time, I'll take you through how David handled the issue of King Saul. You see that the, he had honor for the Lord's anointing. Okay, number three, to perfect the saints for the work of ministry, which is what I'm doing right now. Eh? I'm not going into details for that. But let me just say this. All of you here are, are supposed to do ministry. So God will raise servants of God to perfect you for ministry. The Bible says, I know people love this scripture. Have you seen it before? First Corinthians chapter number two. Is it verse 5 where it says, I came to you, right? Should be verse 5, not so. Hello. Is it verse 4 or verse 5? Verse 4. Do we read the Bible? Glory to God. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and power. I've got a problem with people who end on this verse. They'll be like, so we'll just demonstrate the power every Sunday. Come, demonstrate the power. The next week, ta, ta, ta. The other week, ta, ta, ta. But they didn't finish it. It says, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. So meaning, your introduction to the faith has to be a power experience. But look at the next verse. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. There are some people who the reason why you came to this ministry is because you needed a healing. There are some people who the reason why you came to this ministry is because you needed deliverance. There's a power experience you needed. But then there's something beyond that, which is the message of wisdom. Let me tell you how it works. If somebody came to me and they needed a healing and I prayed for them and they got healed, do you know what they must do? They must now watch me, watch my teachings, so that that wisdom which I have can make them what I am. They can also be able to do the same thing. So we speak the message of wisdom among the mature. How come this week you didn't do a demo? No, no, no. We speak the message of wisdom among the mature. How come this week you didn't prophesy to me? The Bible didn't say you need prophecies every day. You need a prophet. There's a difference. The word, be, the word being spoken is your prophecy. 
So for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, none of you here has been called to warm a chair. All of you have an assignment. There is work for you. There is space for you in the kingdom. You've all got work. So you have to be perfected for the work of ministry. Start seeing yourself as a minister. Let's finish. I've got two or three more. Those of you who say I preach long sermons. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul once preached a sermon that lasted 24 hours. There was even a man who was seated on the window. He fell down and died. Paul continued preaching. Raised him back. And you complain over the two overnights that we have. We are crossing over on the 31st right here. Number four, to teach the people. There are some of you who came here and you're looking for a church, okay? There are some who've been searching for a church for a while. As in your song right now is a search all over. And I'll tell you something about church hoping. I'll tell you something about it. Most people who do that are never satisfied. If I was to, then there's somewhere in a battle. No, uh, I've been brought up here. Maybe it's, it's, it's I don't know, you, you consider it traditional, but here is where I'm learning the word. Your decision must be a spiritual one, not a sentimental one. Not, no, this side they bury well. Are you sure it's your burial? Is your burial the center thing in your life? Here we've got no plans to bury you. I speak life to all of you. No plans. Some of you who are much older than me, you should praise God to give you a young pastor. Because it means he's not in the mood of burials. Hallelujah. <laughs> ah, he's not. He's not even thinking about them. So in short, when it comes to how long your life is, he sees you as well as 17. Hallelujah. Amen. So I decree and declare you, you won't have old people's sicknesses. Amen. No high blood pressure. Amen. No diabetes. Amen. Yours is from glory to glory. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I was showing you the next one, to teach the people. So I wanted to say something. If you are looking for a church, let me tell you the best thing. And some of you are watching, some of you are listening. If you are looking for a church, before you look at facilities and all those things, the first thing you should find is someone to teach you. If that person is having church under a tree, please go put a mat and that's your church. Jeremiah 3 verse 15 from the King James. This is what God promised. God actually didn't promise nice churches where everyone will like you. That's not what he promised. This is what he promised. I will give you pastors according to my heart who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Have you ever seen Hosea 4 verse 6? Hosea 4 verse 6, look at what it says. My people perish 
for lack of knowledge. And he says, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. And thou shalt not be priest to me, seeing as you have forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget your children. That's how much God values his people having knowledge. That's why in Mark chapter number 6, verse 34, which is a scripture God gave me when starting the church, the Bible says Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So do you know how I gauge my work? I gauge it by what you know. Why do you think I, I read your social media? I'm gauging what you know. I'm gauging whether you've known how to talk. I'm gauging whether you've known how to act, whether you've known how to live. What do you know? I ask your neighbor, this your, tell me three things you've learned. Quick, 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 quick. Three things you've learned. Yes. You're waiting for her? Like, So when he came out, he saw a great multitude of move compassion for them because we're like sheep not having a shepherd. I must say something though. You can't expect the teacher to teach you if you don't attend class. I'll say that one again. You can't expect the teacher to teach you if you're not attending class. Otherwise, they'll write absent. How many Sundays have you been present this year? You complain about Sundays. In the Bible, they met every day. And it's not like they didn't have stuff to do. Our meetings are too few for that matter. We need to meet more often. That's why we go for a bribe. You must buy the tickets. It's part of fellowshipping with each other. Come on. In the scriptures, they met every day. There is this. Can I show you what the Bible actually says about missing church? I know we've read Hebrews 10, 25. Eh? Have we really reached verse 26? I, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but what I'll do is I'll show you. And for this one, I'll allow you to interpret it yourself. But let's just read the scripture in context. Eh? Verse 25. Read it. Hold on. I'm sure you know what Pastor Chris says about this, eh? It's what? It's what? <laughs> Not to go to church, eh? <laughs> now, I want you to read it and read verse 26. Read them in context. Start. Context. Next verse. That's actually the context of Hebrews 10, verse 26. And there was silence. He didn't say if we miss church willfully. He says if we sin willfully. 
And the Bible actually says to him who knows and doesn't do it. Imagine a surgery is supposed to be performed on someone and you're waiting for the doctor to keep calling him, come for your Is it whose, whose responsibility is it? You'll see it next week when I talk more about honoring, but I'll tell you something. If you can't attend the service, I'll question whether you honor me. Maybe you just respect. Honor involves action. I've lectured before my students passed. I never had to call any of them to ask them to come for class, especially when it was near exam period. As a matter of fact, they were calling me. <laughs> Pastor, are you coming? We need what you teach us. We need, we need to pass. Never had to. Never had to. There are some people here who I've never called to ask them if they are coming to church. If they miss, I even know them. It's just, it's, it's a serious issue beyond their control. So I've called you before. More than once. Or twice. The Bible says the goodness of God must lead to repentance. <laughs> Let that goodness lead to repentance. Next time I call you to say, Pastor, is that a question you can ask me? As a matter of fact, I wanted to call you to ask for any numbers of anyone you want me to give a lift. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what you must be talking now. I say, Pastor, I don't have a car. I've just spoken that you have a car. <laughs> the grace is in the instruction. Okay, let's, let's quickly look at the last two. Number five, to make the path easier for the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that pastors make it easier for the Holy Spirit to work? I, this sermon was much easier for me because some weeks ago, I listened to a sermon by pastor and he was teaching on honoring the anointing. It made it very easy for me to study the scriptures. I already had guidance. And then the Holy Spirit was reminding me and giving me more things. And I wrote notes, so it was easy. Some people are struggling to study the Bible because you're not listening to your pastor. You know, everything I've taught you today, you can easily go and study it and get more revelation because the path has been made easier. That's why you'll find it's... A, a number, those who've listened to me for a while, you find it easy to... Study scriptures on the Holy Spirit because I've taught you that. It was easier for me because I was raised that way. That's the first topic I was taught. So they may, and, and I didn't teach myself. You know, I was talking to the Holy Spirit without knowing I was talking to the Holy Spirit. I remember I attended, I, I attended regularly School of the Holy Spirit with Reverend Emmanuel Mulene. And he began to teach us on the Holy Spirit. I realized, ah, so the person I've been talking to all along is the Holy Spirit. So they make it easier for you. They, some people are wondering, I can't understand the Bible. I can't understand the Bible. Get a pastor. You should, I don't know. There are places where they are found. Find a pastor. Hallelujah. Wherever they are found. Eh? Get a pastor. Get yourself a pastor. 
you understand the scriptures better. Haven't you noticed that there are certain people when you listen to them, it just opens your mind. You're like, oh, that's why that verse, and then there's that, and then there's that one. And then when you study the scriptures, it comes alive. And this is scriptural. Look at what the Bible says of John the Baptist. John 1 verse 23. This is John. John is the one who the Bible says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The Bible says, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Can you imagine John helped make Jesus' way straight? It was easier for people to receive from Jesus because they had heard from John. I can tell you it's easier to receive from the Spirit when you've heard from a man. It's easier. It's like, haven't you noticed that, you know, I was laughing with someone. I, I heard this person, you know, these people who argue against the gifts of the Spirit. And they were saying, hey, even those miracles that happen in meetings, because first they say no miracles happen. Anyway, the miracles say it happening. No, even those miracles that happen in meetings, it's just God who wanted to heal them. So I asked, why did they get healed at home? Why did they get healed in the meeting? Because there was a man of God and God honored his servant. Come on, don't take anything away from that. Somebody labors, builds a ministry. You are given to give an exhortation. And you don't want to acknowledge the person who labored. Without their labor, you don't have that pulpit. That's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. This is a, let me tell you a funny story. How many of you have heard of the late Archbishop Benson Idahosa? Everyone talks about him, eh? He's literally, you've seen the move of God in Nigeria, the one which has spread over the world. He's literally the pioneer of that. He's the pioneer of that. Archbishop Idahosa built the church in a very short period of time, and he called other pastors to come and, you know, say something. So when they were saying, they were like, this, this has nothing to do with man. You know those statements for me? This is nothing but God. He got the mic and said, I see that my friends here are hypocritical. When it was only God who owned this land, there was a bush. <laughs> What's wrong with acknowledging that I labored? <laughs> Paul said, no, the Bible says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But I labored all the more. And even in the scriptures, that's why we give awards. Paul said, such men deserve recognition. So what was wrong with just going there and saying, we thank God because he cooperated with God's vision. It was a bush. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging a work that somebody has done. But then when somebody writes some report and does some research, you honor them and give them a doctorate. Okay, let's go on. So they make it easier. Finally, for today, for the prosperity of the people, give me Second Corinthians. We'll read three scriptures. Second Chronicles 20 verse 3. 20. Come and join me, sing hallelujah. Jehovah Jireh has done me well. I want you to see this. It says, I've skipped a few parts. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established. So who must you believe first? The Lord your God. But what does it go on to say? Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Give me Second Corinthians. Now, let me show you something. Ezekiel 44 verse 30. I want you to see 
what the Bible actually says about first fruit. Eh? I read this last week and it shocked me when I read it. The Bible says the best of all the first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice, any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priests. Also, you shall give the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your place. Can you imagine that? And someone, why isn't the pastor riding a bicycle? Are you serious? Is that scriptural? I remember one time I was on TV and I was being interviewed. And they were saying, we like pastors like you, at least you've got degrees. And you know, there are also other ventures you're involved in. I said, wait a minute. Don't use me as an excuse for your greediness. Take care of your pastor. Or you can clap again. Paul, speaking of himself and other men of God, said something in 2 Corinthians 6. Give me verse 8. I want you to see this. I'm, I'm rushing now because I have to end. Let's start from verse 6 for context. So, okay, you read it from the first verse. Eh? But let's start from here. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. He's talking about men of God. Uh-huh. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true. Imagine people were calling them deceivers, yet they were true. Next verse. As unknown, yet well known. Sometimes it goes out and people treat you like you're nothing. Yet well known. As dying and behold we live. As chastened and yet not killed. Uh-huh. As sorrowful as, and yet always rejoicing. As poor and yet making many rich. As having nothing and yet possessing all things. Making many rich. Some don't know how, somehow, for them, it just worked. This just worked like that. Then they somehow just got a job like that. Then this just worked like that. They just, it, this just worked like that. You can find there was a prayer that was made. And it says, making many rich. I remember my pastor telling me, go make them rich. He says, don't you know how much power you have? Don't you know you can make them rich? That's what I'm telling you. You're all millionaires. And above. Some of you didn't say amen. Oh my God. I'll say it one more time. You are all millionaires. Hallelujah. There is a reason we keep doing the, the blessing every week. The Bible says it's not my word like a hammer. Sometimes to break down something, you keep hammering. You hammer. You increase momentum. You hammer. You hammer. Making many rich. Having, having said this, I'll tell you this. I now understand. I was learning in Bible school. And the lecturer who was taking me through the course on intercession said, it is absolutely, it's, a, it's pride to not pray for your men of God. Because you need them more than they need you. 
Your men of God go away. They go into eternal glory. What happens to the ones who remain? It's pride not to pray for your pastors. I'll continue next week. I'll continue next week. How do you end such a service? Eh? There's a lot I have to say. Let me get you thinking. I've got a question for you. How does God call for meetings? Write it down. How does God call for meetings? When God wants, when God wants to meet me, how does he call me for a meeting? If I called for a special training seminar, who's calling for the meeting, me or God? Okay. If God called you for a meeting, what's the level of excuse that you would need to come out of it? I want you to write that down. What's, what's at least a worthwhile excuse to miss a meeting God has called you for? If anyone has, in this place, has in a way acted inappropriately towards the church or towards your pastor, whether in public or in private, I forgive you. This message has not come for your condemnation. It's come for your edification. There is a place God wants to take us to. But for us to get to that place, there are some things we just need to put in order. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay.